0: All right, so we are making this podcast type thing. I'm using this app because this is the only thing that I could think of that would be able to go on my Amazon because I'm gonna play this for my dog while I'm gone because she has. Can't find any music in your library. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna play this for my dog. When I'm gone because she has severe separation anxiety. So I thought maybe if I recorded myself talking, it might help her while I'm gone. So I'm going to be reading a book to her. Um, so let's just get started. The book I am reading today is a little weird because it's like why do you have that book um i got this book a long time ago not that long ago It was probably like when did i work at hollister i remember i got it right before i went into work at hollister i worked at hollister because i probably got it like two years ago so not that long ago but kind of long ago anyways i got a lot of books a lot of self-help books I think they were all self help books, but this one is called How to Be Yourself. Okay. Um, it says, Quiet Your Inner Critic and Rise Above Social Anxiety. Um, yeah. I suffer with social anxiety, I think. I mean, I've never been diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure that's what I have. I don't know. Anyways, I've already started reading this book before. Or so I think I'm just gonna leave off where I left off two years ago because <laughs> I never finished the book. Uh, so let's just get started. Where should I start from the beginning? Because I really can't remember what it was talking about. I've only gotten to 14 pages so let's just start from the beginning. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, damn. I didn't even get past the prologue. That's the funny thing. (laughs) Damn, this is a long prologue. The prologue is 20 pages. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if I should start from the beginning. It's pretty long already. Okay. We're just going to start from the beginning because I can't remember what it said. Alright. Let's begin. This is the prologue. Rose, I hope you enjoy. And maybe you can learn how to be not someone with anxiety. Okay, let's begin. Sorry, I had a burp. Another one. Okay. Be quiet, Rose you did not <gasps> she did oh my god i'm just now realizing she put a hole in her bed oh my god anyways let's just keep going she's not gonna have that bed much longer she hid it real good too she put it on the underside of the bed and like kept it face up how the fuck did you do that Oh, she's a smart little girl. Okay. Let's begin. I haven't even started, and it's already four minutes in. Okay. Mo could fight injustice like a cornered trigger, not trigger, a cornered tiger on one condition, as long as he didn't have to speak. A lawyer by training, Mo was whip smart and had a reputation for being genuinely respectful. Despite his mild-mannered appearance, diminutive, skinny, and balding, with two perfect circles of wire-rimmed glasses perched over a trim little mustache, his commitment to social causes like... Wait, what? His commitment to social causes, like the right of the elderly or the protection of vulnerable women, was fierce, His experience spanned the globe at this point in his career. He had already worked in three different countries on three different continents. As part of his idealistic crusade for justice, however, he often found himself in the most unidealistic of settings, meetings. It was at these meetings in community centers and church basements with folding chairs and lingering smells of old coffee where Moe's story played out. He told it like this. The other day, I was at a meeting, and one of the organizers turned to me and said, You know, Mo, when it's just you and me, you talk totally fine, but you're so quiet at the meetings. I don't think I've ever heard you open your mouth. Mo was mortified. He knew deep down that his colleagues spoke the truth. Mo was always attentive, always pleasant, but it was true. He had never said a word. And now it was confirmed to Moe that his silence was obvious, that he couldn't simply hide in plain sight. It's not that I don't want to say anything, I just don't know how to say it, Moe said. Everyone else seems so f- so comfortable, so confident. But as soon as I work up the courage to speak, the topic has changed. That happens all the time. Not knowing what to say doesn't, only, doesn't happen only to Moe, it happens to m- so many of us particularly in today's world of cryptic, how do I answer this type of text message and got to be right Instagram captions. If you're wired or were raised like Mo, more of this distinction shortly, technology and the internet ensues, you have a million reasons to second guess yourselves. Plus, you still have to battle the anxieties of in-person social interactions. Like Mo, You may know firsthand of excruciating on teetering on the edge of speaking. It's like standing at the end of a 10-meter diving platform. Your heart pounding at the prospect of leaping in. Remaining silent invites frustration. I knew that was the answer. Wait, what? I feel like uh, this, okay. Remaining silent invites frustration. I knew that was the answer, or damn it, that was my idea. But the thought of jumping into the abyss of conversation is paralyzing. But after his colleague comment, Mo decided it was actually worse to remain silent than to say something. Ongoing silence weighs a person down like a slowing, um, like a slowing immaculating pile of bricks in the lap. A few moments of silence can easily be shaken off, but hours of silence are nearly impossible to break, particularly without causing turned heads, exclamations of surprise, and crushing off-hand comments of, "Oh, I forgot you were there." Rose So Mo decided to try to speak sooner rather than later. So I showed up to the next meeting with some notes jotted in my phone. I thought it would be easier if I wrote out what I wanted to say, but I couldn't do it. The worst part is that the guy next to me took my phone and read my notes to everyone. I think he thought he was doing me a favor, but I wanted to die. What kind of man can't read his own notes? Once humiliated, twice shy. It took mo a while to work up the courage to try again but he did before the next meeting he gamely typed out some more notes but he still couldn't manage to say anything i tried he said my vision got blurry i started to shake it was horrible why does this keep happening to me what the hell is wrong with me why can't i do what other people can do so easily from working in politics mo was used to having to try again so he decided to push himself to try one more time i had a dinner to go with i had a dinner to go to just friends so i thought i tried giving a toast he said i rehearsed it over and over in my head but when i stood up i couldn't get past the first sentence i even i even worked a joke into it but once i got past the first line i couldn't remember the rest of the joke much less what else i wanted to say so I just said, thanks for coming and sat down. And I thought, oh my God, what an idiot. Mo's experience is so common, it has a name, social anxiety. Social anxiety is a self-conscious... Okay, social anxiety is self-consciousness on steroids. First, there is a sense of being cons- conspicuous, of sticking out like a sore thumb, There follows an urge to hide, to conceal, sometimes by staying away altogether, sometimes by showing up but remaining silent or or staring intently at the floor. We we worry we'll say the wrong thing, do something awkward, and get wrongly, deservingly criticized for it. Therefore, so many of us feel stressed in class, at parties, in group, at work, with strangers, on social media. We are convinced we are too much of something, too weird, too awkward, too annoying or that we are not enough of something else. Not confident, not socially skilled, not competent. Just wanna make sure it's the recording, okay. Finally, our bodies betrayed us. We are sure everyone notices our graceless blushing, sweaty palms, or trembling hands. This may all sound familiar. Did your eyes light up in recognition at most story? Did you find yourself nodding your head as nodding your head as you read? Something else you and Mo have in common. I'll wager is that at some point along this awkward, anxious journey, perhaps before a date, an interview, or a first day of school, a supporter has offered you some time-honored advice. Just be yourself. This phrase is always well meant, but can phenomenally be irritating. It seems so simple, but in the moment, it feels impossible. Anyone who has been in most position knows how difficult it is to think about, how difficult it is to think through the buzz of anxiety, how it hijacks our ability to think, speak, and respond. Also, just be yourself implies you hadn't thought of that option. Uh, oh. Okay, so also just be yourself implies that you hadn't thought of that option. Oh, is that all I have to do? Silly me. But despite all of this, it's, all, it's also sound advice. Your true self is the self that emerges when you are with your close friends, trusted family, or in blissful, blissful solitude. Sol- oh my God, I can't even freaking talk. Solitude underneath all that anxiety you're equipped with everything you need there's nothing you need to fake no image to manufacture you are enough just as you are indeed imagine if that self showed up at work in relationships and in the world what would be possible you could share your ideas and opinions you could finally feel at ease you'd have more bandwidth to deal with with the world you could feel comfortable in your own skin. You'd feel that home, sweet home comfort, connection, and closeness wherever you went. Therefore, in how to be yourself, you'll finally learn how to put that advice into action. You'll learn why you feel the way you do, but more than that, you'll learn how to do you'll learn what to do about it. And finish the book with a toolbox full of shiny new tools to try out. We'll debunk myths. You didn't even know you believed and break habits you didn't even know you had. There are so many of us who feel socially anxious that standardized questionnaires have been developed to measure our experience. If you think you may have touch or more or social anxiety, check out the following 25 situations cribbed from two widely used social anxiety questionnaires. The more items you agree with, the more social anxiety you'll likely carry with you as you travel through life. Alright, I'm going to read them. And I'm going to say if I have felt this way or agree, disagree. Yeah. All right. Number one, I get nervous if I have to speak with someone in an authority. Yes. Okay. But I feel like everyone does because I don't know. Okay. Two, I have difficulty making eye, con- eye contact with others. Uh, sometimes. I try to be very aware of my eye contact because i don't want people to think i'm insecure so i make okay so it cut off because someone started calling me so i'm gonna finish the questions all right so the i the second one was the eye contact one which i said depending okay three hold on (laughs) (laughs) sorry Okay, I become tense if I have to talk about myself or my feelings. Mm. Uh, I don't really know. I'm just gonna say yes, cause maybe. Okay. Next, <clears throat> I find it difficult to mix comfortably with people i work with that is definitely a yes um i feel tense if i'm alone with just one other person uh yes and no it depends on the person and the vibe i'm getting from them like if it's like a vibe that I mesh with no I'm not uncomfortable I feel like I'd be more uncomfortable in a bigger setting like with more people but if the person is just giving off mm, not good vibes like I can't stand them vibes uh, yeah mm, I'm very like tense so next six I worry about expressing myself in case I appear awkward Uh, yeah. I get anxious returning an item to a store. Mmm, I'm just anxious in general. I don't know if returning has anything to do with it, but... Um, I find it difficult to disagree with someone else's point of view. I... I don't feel... I don't, I don't think it's difficult to disagree with them because I feel like I disagree with everyone. The thing is, is sometimes I feel weird vocalizing the disagreement to them. Sometimes I don't give a shit, but sometimes I, like, depending on the person, like, it's the vibe. If I get, a, like, a vibe from them, I'm like, Ugh. Uh, yeah, I definitely struggle with that. Next. Um, I find myself worrying that I won't know what to say in social situations. Yes. I am nervous mixing with people I don't know well. Yes. I feel I will say something embarrassing when talking. Yes. When in a group I find myself worrying I will be ignored. Yes, because that happens all the fucking time. Uh yeah i was literally just talking to my boyfriend about this i don't know why you would care rose i'm just talking i was literally talking to my boyfriend about this how i feel like whenever i'm in a group setting i'm literally the one that always gets ignored like i'll say something and no one fucking answers and like they'll just change subjects i'm like okay like i didn't just say something there but whatever i think it's because maybe how i say it like It just didn't seem confident enough or like I was sure about what I was saying. I don't know what it is, but I definitely am the one that gets ignored and I freaking hate it. And I feel like in my entire life, like I'm just the ignored child. I'm the middle child. Like I get ignored. So I don't know. Next, we're on 13. I am unsure whether to greet someone I know. Only slightly. Yeah, that is 100% true. It's like, I don't have a problem greeting them, but I'm like, do you even remember me? Like, do you know who I am? Or if I were to say hi to you, you'd be like, who the fuck is that? Like, I don't know. That's what goes on in my head. Okay, next. I feel uncomfortable making a phone call when others can hear me. Uh, actually... Mm, it's like a yes or no. Like, if I'm comfortable with someone, I, I want them there for the phone call. I don't know. It puts me at more ease if I have someone there with me that I'm comfortable with, but then if it's, like, a random person, I'm making a phone call, yeah, I don't want no one to hear me talking because I'm like, I don't want them listening to what I'm talking about. Like, you know? Okay. I feel awkward or anxious eating or drinking in public places. No. Um... I feel anxious acting, performing, or giving a talk in front of an audience. Yes. I feel, comfort- I feel uncomfortable working, writing, or calculating while others watch me. Oh my god, yes. Whenever, <laughs> that is so, my god, it's is so true. Especially with math, you can literally say what's like 2 plus 2, and if it's like in front of people like, people I don't know, I, I, it would literally take me forever to figure out the simplest math equation, like, I, I probably know how to do it, but it's, like, my mind, it just cannot focus, it's, like, literally, I, it's, like, hard to explain, but, like, it's, like, weird, it's really weird, actually, because it's, like, I'm trying to focus, but, like, okay, like, if you think of, like, a dot, this is how I think of it, if you think of a dot, and it's, like, in the middle of a room, This probably doesn't make any sense but like you're trying to focus on that dot but you literally and it's the only thing in the room but you just can't focus on that damn dot your mind is literally in the empty space around the damn dot I'm like "Mm." okay anyways um where am I okay I get anxious calling, emailing, or texting someone I don't know very well. Yes. Um, I have difficulty speaking up in class or in a meeting. Yes. I feel anxious using a public bathroom. No. Um, I have difficulty talking to people I find attractive. Yes. I feel anxious talking. I feel anxious taking an ex- test or exam. Uh, I feel like I have the normal amount because I just don't want to fail. But So I would say no to that. Um, I get stressed and anxious when hosting a party or an event. Mm, yeah. I find it difficult to resist a, a salesperson or solicitor. Mm, no. uh, I dislike being the center of attention. No. I like being the center. It's like I like the attention, but like just the attention. I, I don't know. Like I just like I don't know how to am going to explain it. Okay. So those are the questions. Let's move on. Okay. I keep saying okay. These are just 25 examples, but there are many, many others. For instance, those of us who feel socially anxious would rather get a bikini wax and dental work done simultaneously than work the room at a networking event. We might ask our colleague at the the next desk we might ask our colleague at the next desk can you look over this email and tell me if anything sounds weird before i send it we might get a little antsy at the gym the grocery store in line or wherever people might be inspecting us we've been known to rehearse our food order before we get to the counter or customer service requests before we pick up the phone and the story we're planning to tell at the party later that night and of course we try to sneak out of the same party without saying goodbye. And this is just in real life. If social anxiety was just, if social anxiety was at a slow burn a few years ago, technology poured gasoline on that fire. Why? Anxiety is rooted in uncertainty. And what's more uncertain than the modern communication? Why did those three dots appear and then nothing? Why did my boss reply with a one-word email? Why did she text, "Can I call you?" um Why did he text, "I am Batman?" Social media makes things even worse. A study out of the University of Pit- Pittsburgh surveyed almost 2,000 young adults ages 19 through 22 oh, 19 through 32 and found the more social media platforms they use, the greater their anxiety. And it wasn't the amount of time they spent on social media. There was, ex- something, there was something unique about social media itself. What exactly? Well, social media is social, du- social, social judgment in public, complete with a quantitative count of others' approval, especially for teens and young adults. The task of identity formation and solidifying self-esteem are tough enough. But having your friends observe and comment 24-7 makes the world of social media a tough place to grow up. Whether we're feeling social judgment online or in the real world, we find ourselves doing one of two things, avoiding or enduring. Unlike most psychological jargon, both of these terms mean exactly what you think. Avoidance is the equivalent of sticking our fingers in our ears and sing-songing. I can't hear you. Avoidance can be a lot of work. Faking an illness means remembering to have a lingering cough the next day. Walking the long but less crowded way around wastes time. And showing up to a meeting at the moment it begins so you don't have to make small talk takes exhausting precision. Avoidance can be overt. But not showing up at the party letting our calls go to voicemail. There was no button in that but. Okay, but avoidance can become covert. Two, we may not even realize we're doing it. Not making eye contact is the classic, or we may go to the party but spend most of our time petting the host's cat or checking text message on the balcony before sneaking home to watch Netflix and eat a bowl of cereal. But while avoidance of but while avoidance offers immediate relief it's almost always followed by a bitter aftertaste of guilt shame disappointment or frustration enduring however is white knuckling it through an office team building event presentation or wedding reception god help the well-meaning bridesmaids who tries to pull us onto the dance floor we would rather stab her with a dessert fork than have to ymca those of us who endure usually get home with Jangled nerves, a mysterious stomach ache, and sore cheek muscles from continuously smiling. Or we get drunk, but more on that later. Most of us have felt this way for a long time. For 75% of people who experience social anxiety, this long, awkward trip all started somewhere between the ages of 8 and 15. Allowing us many future decades to scroll through our phone rather than make conversation. For many of us, it is as much as... as much a part of us as our brown eyes or curly hair it's what we remember from day one by now you may have noticed that I say we in academia they're saying research is me search many scientists choose their field because their subject matters their subject matter rings true to them and their lives the grit researcher bounces back after any setback the trauma experts survived a life-threatening experience the ADHD D researcher works surrounded by teetering stacks of paper. For me, it is telling that I work at a Boston University storied Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders, or CARD. If anxiety were a religion, CARD would be the mother church, and I would be a lifelong congregate. My very first memory reveals how my brain is wired. I'm three and at preschool, resting alongside 15 or so other kids on a mat on the floor. It is in the early 1980s and my teacher, Miss Fish, has long centered parted brown hair and plays a guitar. Quiet songs like You Are My Sunshine and Hush Little Baby to lull us into a few moments of stillness. This is what I remember. I opened my eyes to Miss Fish leaning over her guitar looking intently at me with a smile on her face. She had clearly been watching me for a while. There she is, she says. Good morning, sweetheart. As I sit up and rub my eyes, I realize with a shot of adrenaline that every single kid is looking at me. I freeze like the provid... Pro- oh my God, I can't say that. Deer in headlights. Some of the kids laugh. None of in a mocking way, but still, to a sensitive three-year-old, it's like a tinkering toy through the heart. I am still dazed from my accidental nap, which makes the humiliating feeling of being laughed at much worse. I want the eyes off me, so I squeeze shut my own, mortified in the darkness behind my own eyelids. It is is striking, I think, that this is my first memory, and not say feeding my little brother popcorn to the ducks at the local lake, or the knock knock, or the knock on doors equal candy revelation of my first time trick or treating. Instead, my anxious brain decides to remember feeling humiliated by a friendly teacher and amused classmates after an innocent snooze. It goes on from there. In first grade, I remember going to bed with a stomachache and a gnawing feeling. That I was forgetting something, not having the vocabulary to label feeling overwhelmed by a busy classroom day in and day out. In third grade, I knew my multiplication tables by heart, but put off reciting them to the teacher until I was, very, I was the very last in the class to do so. Middle school, that perfect storm of profound self-consciousness and desperation for peer acceptance was the deepest pit in social anxiety hell. That's no surprise. In high school, I came into my own with a solid circle of friends and some leadership roles, but then came the shock of college. While other students attended the infamous naked party and argued with intellectual luminaries and seminars, I avoided eye contact at fully clothed parties and raised my hand a single digit number of times in four years. However, other, over many years and a PhD in clinical psychology, Something slowly changed. Today, not only can I speak in a meeting, I can also lead one. I host a mean dinner party, lecture to a room full of students with confidence, and actually look forward to dancing at wedding receptions. Alongside my clients, I have done all sorts of embarrassing things in the name of social anxiety practice. Asked for lemongrass in a hardware store, deliberately spilled my coffee in a crowded Starbucks, asked for directions, and walked the opposite way. When I disclose my anxious past, I get incredulous in looks. I never would have guessed, but you're so comfortable. Today I can say wholeheartedly I am comfortable in my own skin, even if it wasn't always this way, and I know you can too. How did I get there, and how can you get there? I'll share all the answers with you in the pages ahead. I still have my moments to be sure. I do, fair, I do my fair share of public speaking, but my tears well up. Sometimes very subtly, sometimes overtly, whether I have to speak to more than a handful of people at a time. I've learned to think of this as anxiety leaking out. I blubbered my way through my grandmother's eulogy, which you could agree was appropriate. I was sad to be sure, but I was mostly terrified of all the eyes on me. But I also got misty during my master's thesis defense. Appropriate? Not so much. My Achilles heel is being on camera. I subtly lean out of the scene when my kids record a video of me on the phone. I hate FaceTime. When the videographer at my brother's wedding jumps in front of me, camera running, and asks, and what words of wisdom do you have for the bride and groom? I must have looked like the roadrunner, a circle of legs and puffs of smoke, a mating. Does that? No. M um, m. Um, The word I just can't say it. Okay, I'm gonna keep going from under my floor length gown. I left her with wide, I left, I left her with mouth agape and eyebrows somewhere close to her tiny. Why did I say tiny? Okay, I left her with mouth agape an eyebrow somewhere close to her hairline. That little red light on her camera might as well have been a barrel of a loaded gun. Suffice it is to say, I'm still working on that. But that's the point. You can work on it. It can happen. You can feel comfortable in your own skin, comfortable talking, comfortable being seen, comfortable with your fellow humans. It will get easier. So much of anxiety is learned, which which it can be relearned. And you don't need decades of a slog through grad school to growth grow social anxiety. It, I did it the hard way, but that's why we've got this book. Oh my gosh. How to be yourself is for all of us. And we are many who find ourselves tangled in social anxiety from time to time or virtually all the time. Indeed, there are levels. Social anxiety falls along a wide range. The first and most common occurrence along the social anxiety spectrum is socially awkward moments. Even the smoothest among us feel awkward or embarrassed at least sometimes. There are the moments we say, you too, when the waiter says, enjoy your meal. Or we accidentally end up with a handful of breasts while while hugging a woman. Or we say a heartfelt goodbye to a friend only to realize we're both walking in the same direction. I've done all three of these things more than once. These moments may be cringeworthy, but they're inescapable. Plus, they make for a good story and a good laugh later. The next level is what is often called shy. I call this everyday social anxiety. If you felt a spark of recognition at the word shy, how to be yourself is for you. So many of us can relate. We stick tight to our partner or best friend at parties. We eat lunch at our tight we eat lunch at our desk. We don't raise our hand even if we know the answer. We all have the things we hate doing. Making small talk, sharing an elevator with the boss, or asking someone to continue his cell phone conversation outside the movie theater. Left to our own devices or with a few familiar people, we totally feel fine. But our hearts pound with all eyes in the conference room focus on us. We suddenly lose the ability to calculate the tip while our friends finish their drinks and watch. And we get sweaty and flustered when the attempt to parallel park it's out of a crowded sidewalk cafe. We worry we'll come off as inappropriate or incompetent and then get frustrated at our own worry. This is stupid. Why can't I be more confident? What is wrong with me? Finally, like Mo, at some point in life, 13% of Americans will consider themselves what you call what your grandma called painfully shy, but I, but what I call capital S social anxiety. Social anxiety is the fear of being scrutinized, judged, and found lacking in social or performance situations that get in the way of doing the things you want, want or need to do. It has the dubious distinction of being the third most common psychological disorder. After the big boys of depression and alcoholism, social anxiety crosses the line from an annoyance to a problem if it causes distress, distress or impairment, which is the technical way of saying it freaks you out or if you stop from li- it stops you from living the life you want. Distress, for example, is obsessing for weeks over a presentation, including losing sleep and fantasizing about whether you could escape out through your workplace bathroom window impairment is when you turn down a promotion that would require you to lead meetings or supervise others effectively stopping your career in its tracks it's when you consciously decide to take a 20 percent hit to your grade by forward going class participation it's when your best friend asks you to speak at her wedding and you can't muster the courage which breaks both of your hearts or for the 21 percent of the capital s socially anxious folks For whom nerves manifest as anger, irritability, impairment, which impairment means sarcastic comments and critical judgment. Um, It means losing friends and relationships by striking out in anger. Now, if you know you're solidly in the capital S social anxious distress or impairment zone, how to be yourself is absolutely for you. But don't stop there. You deserve even more. A thoughtful, cognitive behavioral therapist can customize a program just for you. A good therapist is like a good bra. They'll both push you and support you into the best possible shape. But no matter where in the range you find yourself, social anxiety, whether from a moment or a lifetime, whether cowering in a corner or picking a fight, is the fear that people will see something bad about you and reject you for it. No matter, how it fan- no matter how it manifests, social anxiety holds us back in our work, keeps love and friendship from deepening, and leaves us miserable and lonely. What does this loneliness cost us? Way more, it turns out, than a few Saturday nights with the shades drawn. Loneliness turns out to be toxic. Loneliness is a perception you can feel connected even when you're alone or desperately lonely even when you're surrounded by people. A lot of people it turns out Perceive the latter Perceive Perceive the latter Up to 15 to 30% of the population Find themselves chronically Isolated Loneliness is thought to be As fundamental A drive as hunger or thirst The feeling tells us we are lacking Something vital for survival Or extorts us to search out Or exhorts Is it horts or extorts? I don't know us to search out connection unchecked loneliness makes us feel desperate and unsafe it kills our sleep quality our mood our optimism and our self-esteem chronic loneliness has been linked to an increased risk of heart disease um, Alzheimer's disease and even mortality the take-home social connection is vital our very lives it turns out depends on it anxiety can't kill you but loneliness can Now, if you're less socially connected than you like to be, that's an intimidating thought. Conquering social anxiety may seem overwhelming or impossible, but let me assure you, you have a lot going for you. How do I know? As decades of research stack up, it's clear that social anxiety is a packaged deal. It comes bundled with powerful skills. With social anxiety comes traits and tendencies that will serve you well in a culturally diverse 21st century world and won't disappear even if your fear and awkwardness do. Indeed, the research as well as my experience working with many shy and socially anxious individuals demonstrates we are often careful thinkers. We consider what we're going to say. Um, gifted at remembering faces, deeply empathetic, uh, pros- pro-social, meaning positive to others, <clears throat> helpful, and altruistic. Oh my gosh there's such big words in here uh conscientious i missed that one with a robust inner guide and strong worth work ethic and considerate of the rights needs and feelings of others oh interesting. that's the word okay anyways how does this manifest in our lives in the world those of us who experience social anxiety often omit needless words in a world full of shouting and mugging for attention we arise above more is better approach to speech work hard to ensure others feel comfortable look and listen closely a near lost art into today's look at me culture high hold hold high standards which lead to exemplary work respect others cultures and backgrounds we are diplomatic. Diplomats and ambassadors of the world. Sound familiar? Many people who experience social anxiety also rack up these strengths. Even if you're one of the 21% of capital S socially anxious folks for whom anxiety manifests as sarcasm and criticism, I know that underneath all your pr- prick lists, you likely have many of these qualities too. Like a pufferfish, you're prickly only because you're scared. Check out that list again. These are 25 25- these are our 21st century skills for increasingly interconnected and global society. Many of us socially anxious souls negative navigate a multicultural world with a sensitivity and care. Indeed, those who don't care what others think squander potential re- relationships by disregarding the rights and feelings of others. You may already do many of the things on the list naturally, and with some practice, you can do them while simultaneously feeling comfortable in your own skin. Next, you're in good company. Fully 40% of people consider themselves to be shy, which is a shorthand way of saying socially anxious. anxious. Expand the question and ask people if they've ever been dispositionally shy at some point in their life, and the percentage skyrocks to 82%. What's more, a whopping 99 percent of people feel socially anxious in a particular situation. Only one percent of people I'm looking at you, psychopaths, have only experienced social anxiety. Have, I mean, have never have never experienced social anxiety. With statistics like these, everyday social anxiety is, dare I say, normal. These experiences of yours are more common than you ever dreamed, despite despite, sometimes, or even continuously. Feeling awkward or conspicuous. Oh my god. Conspicuous. But despite the normality of social anxiety, you're holding this book because social anxiety has gotten in the way of your life in some aspect. It may be circum that does not say circumcised. Circumscribed, agonizing over how to word a text, praying the teacher doesn't call on you, or there may be specific consequences you dread. You're afraid you'll offend someone or that your mind will go blank or you may feel all but paralyzed. No matter the shape of your social anxiety, there is hope. Consider how to be yourself a path to change, to shed the outer layer of nervousness, to reveal the comfortable, confident core of who you are, no matter what you're currently showing the world. Sarcastic and though ultra nice and agreeable, high-strung and awkward, I know your best you is in there. It's the you that surfaces around people with whom you are comfortable with, your confidants, your closest family, or when you're savoring your solitude. That's the real you. So when I say be yourself, I mean that true self, the self you are without fear. And believe it or not, it's safe to show that you're a real self to the rest of the world. But I can't just tell you that. Instead, in the coming chapters, we'll shine a bright light inside that brain of yours Keep what's working and discard what's not, and load you up with tools to nudge you in the direction you want to go. Yourself is always changing. You're living, breathing entity, and you're not the same person at 10 or 20 that you are at 30, 40, 50, and beyond. You've changed over the years, and you will continue to change, but here's the thing. You get to choose the direction. Now, I will not promise a new you because, believe it or not, there's no need to change your personality. You just need to see that who you are is already perfectly sufficient. Fundamentally, social anxiety is being our true self in a distorted way and believing believing the distortion to be the truth. We magnify or even flat out imagine our bad points. We worry about our perceived flaws and while completely forgetting the myriad gifts we have to offer. You don't need to co-opt someone Someone else's confidence when you can discover your own. You need to grow You're, All you need to grow is willingness to try. Learning how to be yourself and rising above social anxiety will improve every area of your life, your work, your relationships, even going to the grocery store. Being the true, authentic you, even if it's just standing in the checkout line, shaking hands at a party or sitting in your Thursday afternoon seminar will help you make the most out of this messy and perfect but glorif- glorious life you have been given. If there's one thing I know deep in my heart, it's that nothing is wrong with you. I repeat, nothing is wrong with you, even if you think you're the, the lone exception to this sentence. This book will help you feel comfortable when you're caught being yourself. Where you take it from there is limitless. As you start learning how to be yourself, let's glean some inspiration from the best of them. A woman who inspired revolutionary change and spoke to huge crowds as no other than himself in the quiet way Mahatma Gandhi <laughs> I did not say that first name right but Gandhi shook the foundations of British imperialism led India to independence and inspired movements for civil rights across the globe he has so much to teach us in 1930 in one of his greatest acts of civil obedience, disobedience, Gandhi led a march to protest the British colonist government's monopoly on salt, a necessary household staple. At the time, Indians not only had to buy salt from the government at exorbitant prices, but also paid a huge tax, a burden that fell heaviest on the poor. As Gandhi began his two hundred mile protest march to the Arabian Sea, he gathered his few dozen followers around him to offer some words of wisdom. A call for peace and novelcally wait and violence that concluded with a simple statement I wish these words of mine reached every nook and corner of the land. Day after day, as Gandhi marched the word spread, more supporters began to join the ranks. For three and a half weeks, they walked, um, gathering hundreds and then thousands of followers, when finally at the edge of the sea, Gandhi wandered out to the mudflats and scratched together a symbolic handful of salt. Thousands of supporters looked on. Not that many years later, Martin Luther King Jr. would write that Gandhi's quiet, civil disobedience provided the method for social reform that I had been seeking. Gandhi's method led directly to King's leadership in the campaign for dis- <clears throat> for de- desegregation in Birmingham the bus boycott in Montgomery the march on Washington and ultimately the catalyzed the civil and ultimately catalyzed the civilized oh my god civil rights act of 1964 Gandhi's message of navu Nauvoo- that says I'm stupid <laughs> it's nonviolence Okay. Gandhi's message of nonviolence indeed reached every nook and corner of the land from ah uh, Ahamadbed. <clears throat> oh my gosh. I can't read. Okay. To Alabama, to Washington, D.C., but he hadn't always wished to be heard and seen by thousands. Remember Mo from the beginning of the chapter, Mo is short for Mahadanas, as in Mahadanas Gandhi. I, I don't... Okay. In his autobiography, Gandhi devotes an entire chapter to his social anxiety, which adaption, okay, to his social anxiety, my adaption of which you read at the beginning of this book. He wrote that as a young man, I hesitated whenever I had to face strange audiences and avoid making a speech whenever I could. And his anxiety wasn't limited to public speaking. Even when I paid a social call, the presence of half of a dozen or more people would strike me dumb. Gandhi, who earlier in life couldn't even give a toast would in 1947, give a speech to a live audience of more than 20,000 people. Looking back on his life, Gandhi wrote, "'I must say that beyond occasionally exposing me to laughter, my constitutional shyness has been no disadvantage whatsoever. In fact, I can see that. On the contrary, it has been all to my advantage. My hesitancy in speech, which was once an annoyance, is now a pleasure.'" Social anxiety—a pleasure. At first, there may seem to be no redeeming value in caring what other people think. But let's think about it. Gandhi is right. There is true power in holding on to just enough social anxiety to give weight in regard to the beliefs and perspectives of others. Call it empathy, respect, or equality—whatever you call it. Especially at this point in his, his in history, it's never more crucial. It's never more crucial care and concern for our fellow human travelers. In his autobiography, Gandhi wrote on his social anxiety. It has allowed me to grow. It has helped me in my discernment of the truth. I hope this book will help you in your discernment of truth. The truth is already in you. You are enough. Together, let's rise above social anxiety and discover the power of being yourself. Alright, that was the prologue. It's finished. Um, next part one, uh, but I'm not going to read that now because... I don't want to read anymore, but yeah.